You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. All right, y'all. Well, let's pray and we'll get into the word. I'm excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. And uh, I think you will be too, but let's open in prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your mercy and grace in our lives. Father, we thank you so much for caring for us the way that you do. We thank you, Lord, for the Lord Jesus, of course, and all that he's done for us. We thank you again for the price that he paid to redeem us, to deliver us, to set us free, to provide for our healing and our redemption. And we're so grateful for that, Father. And we thank you once again for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus said he is the teacher. And so, Lord, we make ourselves available to be taught, to receive revelation and insight tonight. And Father, I thank you that it will be life-changing. And I believe that each and every one of us will be greatly impacted by it. And we just thank you for that and we praise you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, let's, uh, we're, we're gonna talk about some things relative amen. to uh, Christmas and specifically uh, the nativity scene. I've taught on this before, but I've gained some additional insight. And of course, I, I, I don't want to uh, not say this, and that is um, Pastor Rick Renner, who, who you hear me quote a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, he has uh, a wonderful um, ministry or, or uh, teaching on, on this, and it's called uh, Christmas, the rest of the story. And uh, he's got it in video and, and uh, MP3 and so forth. And, uh, but it's a great insight to a lot of behind the scenes things that we don't always hear about because of uh, just the limited amount of input that the scriptures give us. But looking at the language and of course history, we can learn a whole lot from it. But what I wanna do is I wanna go to Luke chapter two first so if you want to go there and then Matthew chapter one, if you want to put a bookmark in Matthew chapter one, we'll go there second. And of course, I want to read uh, verses one through 20 in Luke's gospel uh, that tell us the story of Christmas and of course the nativity and things like that. And, and then we'll begin to break that down afterward. And let me say this before we get into the lesson. Um, if I, I I'm going to do my best to, to keep this um, in order, I mean, in sequence, so to speak, so it matches kind of what the scripture is saying, but I may jump around some, so, so don't let me lose you, and uh, just follow with me the best that you possibly can. Again, uh, my notes, the study that I have, have done on it personally is several years old, and uh, I just recently got this material from Rick Renner. So again, I'm filling in some blanks and adding to it. So I just wanted to say that to you, but let's look at Luke chapter two and let's read verses one through 20. Again, I'm reading from the new King James version and it says this, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. And this census first took place 
while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was while they were there, the days were accomplished for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at, all, at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I want you to make note of that particular verse where it says, And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now, if you'll flip over with me to Matthew, the first chapter, Matthew's gospel, the first chapter, and we're going to begin in uh, verse 18, Matthew 1, 18. And it says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. 
And so I wanted to uh, read those two portions of Scripture. If you want to, go back to uh, Luke chapter 2. Matthew gives us a little pre-view uh, of what was going on. And then Luke chapter 2 uh, brings us in as far as uh, the actual birth of Christ. And so I want you to, you know, as I always tell you, um, pay attention to details. Now, a lot of times, and, and again, we all have heard this story from, you know, being little children all the way growing up and, uh, you know, heard variations of it and so forth. But you have to pay attention to the details because what is what is so awesome about this whole story is the fact of all these moving parts and pieces that God orchestrated so that this miracle could take place, the miracle of the birth of Christ. And uh, so it's, it's really interesting and it's really cool to me, all these things that had to happen and how God was ordering the steps of Joseph and Mary and bringing them to this place so that they could uh, give birth to the Lord Jesus. So let's ask uh, the, one of the first questions, and that's this. Why did Jesus have to be born in Bethlehem? Now I want to read to you, uh, just make a note of this, Micah in the Old Testament chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Micah prophesied by the Holy Spirit, but you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So the I mean, the short answer to the question, why did Jesus have to be born in Bethlehem? And that is, it's because God said he would be. God, God through all, and I, I forget what the total number of prophecies there are in the Old Testament about the birth of Christ, but it's in the hundreds uh, of different prophecies that describe details about the birth of the Lord Jesus. And I just want to say this to you. When And let me pose this as a question to you. When God wants something to happen, what does he do? He speaks it. He speaks it, exactly. Now, it, of course, was the plan of God for Jesus to be born, Jesus to come to the earth, and, of course, uh, pay for our redemption. But he had to, God had to begin laying the groundwork for this hundreds, if not uh, you know, thousands of years before the birth actually took place. And so God be began declaring things. If you'll recall, it even started in the Garden of Eden when the Lord told uh, you know, Satan, there will be one that's coming that uh, is going to be the seed of the woman who is going to bruise uh, your head and you will bruise his heel. And so that's the very first prophecy that we see that was uttered by the Lord in regards to the birth of Christ. And then it starts there and just goes on throughout the Old Testament. And so we see all of these circumstances that were declared, that were prophesied by the Lord. And, and so let that be a reminder to you that if you want things to be different or you need things to come to pass from the Word of God in your life, then we have to get in agreement with what God said and begin declaring what God has said. And so that is so very important. Now, 
I want us to, to look at uh, look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 4. Now, I want you to make a note. Mary and Joseph were from Nazareth. And I'm going to talk more about that as we get into this. So, but they both were of the lineage of King David. Now, if you ever go to the beginning of Matthew and you read all the begats, and, 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 you know, in Luke's gospel does the same thing. If you read all of the begats, you can see how they are in the lineage of, uh, of King David. So because of being in the lineage of King David, Bethlehem is where King David was born and was from. So because of this registration, this census that the, the emperor in Rome decreed had to take place, it was necessary for them to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem so that uh, you know they could register there as being part of the lineage of King David. Now again, I want you to think about big picture here. So God had been declaring that, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. So think about this, y'all. In order to cause this to come to pass, God moved on a Roman emperor to order a census which forced Joseph and Mary to have to leave Nazareth and go down to Bethlehem. Now, one thing that you need to understand, and this comes into play in just a little bit, and that is this, that it required a, a great movement of a lot of people in Israel uh, to take place. So there were people traveling all over the place because of this census that had been ordered. So if you lived in Northern Israel and you were from Southern Israel, then you had to pack up and go down to Southern Israel to register for this census. So you had people that were moving up and down the country, going to their original home place. And so again, the original place where the lineage for Joseph and Mary was Bethlehem, and so they had to go down there to be registered. Now, the scripture says that uh, Jesus would be the offspring of King David. So if it was, uh, it's interesting to me that God chose two young people to father uh, or, you know, parent Jesus who were of the lineage of David. And so um, God chose Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. So note that for Jesus to sit on the throne of David, which he has yet to do, but he will one day, he would have had to be 100% human. But for him to reign forever on the throne of David, he had to be divine. He had to be God, 100% God. Okay, so you begin to see parts and pieces coming to pass. Make a note of this, uh, this verse, Jeremiah 23 and verse 5. Jeremiah 23 and verse 5. Jeremiah prophesied and he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. So the Lord was declaring that out of David's lineage, eventually there was going to come this one who was going to rule and reign. Now, where the 
the Jews differentiate from us Christians is they are still looking for that person to show up. They're looking for the Messiah to fulfill all of these scriptures. And of course, we believe uh, in the Lord Jesus and that he has already come and that he has already fulfilled these scriptures. So that's the, the probably the main difference uh, between us and, and the Jews. Okay, so now we know the story about how the angel appeared to Mary to tell her about the birth of Jesus. And so what it says is, is that Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, during that day, um, engagement or betrothal was a very, very serious thing. Let me just talk to you a minute about the tradition, the Jewish tradition of the time. So if it was arranged that, uh, you know, a young man and a young lady were uh, chosen for each other and were supposed to be married, that a year ahead of the wedding, the, the young man would move in with the parents of the young lady. And of course they were, you know, kept separate physically and all that. But what I want you to see is that they would begin a training process for this couple so that they would fully understand all the ins and outs of marriage. They would understand what was required to them as far as the families were concerned and all of this. And the only way to get out of that commitment was to be caught in a relationship outside of the betrothal. In other words, you got caught with somebody that you were not engaged to, okay? So, what, think about this with me. What is it that we read about that Joseph was so concerned after the angel appeared to him and told him that Mary was going to give birth to the Lord Jesus? Well, the appearance was going to look like she had had a relationship outside of their engagement. So when it says that Joseph, being a just man, did not want to put her away, he basically covered for her and didn't throw her under the bus. Okay, so you begin to see this, uh, un uh, the, 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 the plan being laid out and everything, uh, you know, coming to pass. So he wasn't going to embarrass her publicly. So he his question to himself was, is how can I put her away privately so it doesn't cause embarrassment to her and her family? And that speaks volumes about Joseph. Now we're gonna learn a whole lot more about Joseph later on, but uh, it tells us of the integrity of this man, Joseph, and the love that he had for this young lady and the love that he had for this family. You know, he very easily could have gone out into the city and declared what happened and caused great shame upon Mary and upon her family because of this. This was a huge, huge deal to the people of this day, okay? Now, I want to address, and, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm going to jump around a little bit, so just hang with me. So look at verse 4 there in chapter 2. And so it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now, I want to show you something that's really cool. All right. Um, they were both from Nazareth. Okay. Now, the, the Hebrew word for Nazareth 
is the Hebrew word netzah, N-E-T-Z-E-H, and it means a branch or a root. Okay, it could be used both ways, branch or root. Now hold your, your, your marker there in Luke chapter 2, and I want you to go with me to Isaiah, the 11th chapter. I want you to see this for yourself because it's really cool. Isaiah chapter 11, and look at verse 1. And it says this, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Okay? And then it says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and then it goes on to de describe the Lord even more. But what's interesting is, in Hebrew, I mean, in uh, Isaiah 11, 1, the word there for branch is this word, netzah. And so it says that out of, and let, let me just translate it for you, out of Nazareth shall grow at this person that Isaiah describes. Okay, so let me ask you a question. After Jesus was born, and after a round trip to Egypt and back, where did they end up settling? Nazareth. In Nazareth, right. So Jesus was raised in Nazareth, fulfilling that, that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. All right, now let's go to verse Luke 2, 5. And so it says, They were of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary and his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to deliver. So I want to address something. And, and again, let me say this to you. Do not throw out, as we talk about some of these things, do not throw out your nativity scenes and your, your manger scenes that you might have set up and all of that. Okay, don't, don't do that. Don't get in the ditch and go to the extreme with this. But I'm telling you what factually happened. Okay? All right. So the question is, how many of you have seen pictures and in the movies and so forth where Mary rode a donkey into Bethlehem? Mm -hmm. You've seen that? Okay. So the question is, did that really happen? Well, the question, the, the answer is, she probably did ride a donkey into Bethlehem, and here's why. Because at the time, Mary and Joseph did not have a lot of money. And a donkey at that time was one of the cheapest forms of transportation that was available. And But what we do see is later on in their lives and in their family, their wealth began to grow because, and, and I want you to turn over with me to Matthew chapter 2, please. Now, how many of you have ever been taught that Jesus was poor? Oh, I have. Okay, I have. all right. Let me, let me dispute that right now, all right, and just kind of set, that, set your mind at ease about this, okay? So, they didn't have much money when they first got married and when they first went to this census, but we see later on in their lives and in their family that their wealth had grown. 
Now, again, what did I say pay attention to? Details. Details, all right. Look at Matthew chapter uh, 2 and verse 11. Matthew chapter 2. Now, this is when the three magi show up, okay? Which, by the way, and we'll talk more about this, the magi did not show up at Jesus' birth. And I'll prove that to you in just a minute, but I want to show you something. Look at verse 11. What does it say? And when they had come into what? The house. Okay. They came into the house. Whose house? Mary and Joseph's house. So here you have this young couple that has grown in their relationship and in their family, and they have prospered, and now they own a house. Okay, so they went from giving birth, and I'm going to explain why this happened, giving birth to the Lord Jesus in a, in a manger, in a stable in Bethlehem, to now they're back in, in and they're, they have a house. And that's where the Magi came and presented their gifts to the Lord Jesus. And we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Okay, now, uh, did Mary give birth to Jesus the same night uh, when they arrived in Bethlehem? Go back to Luke chapter 2. Okay, so, you know, our traditional story is Mary, Mary and jo Mary's on the donkey. They come riding into Bethlehem. They can't find any room at the, at the Holiday Inn, so they go and they find a stable, and, and that night, that's when Jesus is born, Okay. Is, is that right? Is that the story we have been presented? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So look at uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 6. So it says, So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Where were they? In Bethlehem. So they were there. We don't know the exact number, but we know at least several days before Mary actually gave birth to the Lord Jesus. So they had gone down, they had traveled down to Bethlehem, they were in Bethlehem, and so the days were accomplished. In other words, she reached her full term, and it was time for her to give birth. But the fact of the matter is, it did not happen on the day or the night of their arrival. It happened many days after their arrival. So they were already in town, already settled down, and then she was she gave birth. Now, did the innkeeper tell them there was no room for them in the inn? Well, let's look at verse 7. And it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So that is true. That that actually happened. Now, I want you to think about, what did I say a little while ago when I said this census was ordered, and so people were traveling all over the place? So imagine a whole flood of people that because of this census had now arrived in Bethlehem, and so all the, the, the available space was taken up by all of these people that had traveled because of this census, okay? Now, let me tell you this. This actually was a huge blessing for Mary and Joseph. And the reason being is the ends, if you will, in, in this particular day uh, 
had a tendency to be very dirty, very crime ridden. In other words, you might lay down with all your personal belongings and wake up and all your stuff is gone. Okay. So there were a lot of seedy, bad people that would stay in these inns. So what God did is he orchestrated this so that they would be protected and they would be safe and not subject to all of these things that would normally happen in the end. Okay. All right. Now, so God opened this supernatural door that, that afforded Mary and Joseph, by the way, uh, how would you like to be staying? Let's, let's just say in modern terms, a boarding house that's loaded with people. Okay. People everywhere. And, and it comes time for you to give birth to your child. Uh, th that's a very private, intimate moment. Okay. So what God also did was protected Mary and Joseph's privacy in mm -hmm. all of that. Okay. So let's, let's move on to the next question. Was Jesus actually born in a stable? Well, the answer to that question is yes, but it wasn't like what we think. Okay. Now our traditional viewpoint is that, that, that Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus was born under a wooden structure. Okay and that had hay and everything strewn around. And then you had this uh, manger that was constructed of wood and all that. And uh, that's what they laid uh, Jesus in when he was born. And this stable was constructed like we traditionally see the stable. And again, don't throw out your, <laughs> your nativity scene, but what I want you to see is that is not the case of what happened. Now, one thing you need to understand, and you can research this for yourself, the area around Bethlehem, and incidentally, Bethlehem is a suburb of Jerusalem. Bethlehem's only five miles from Jerusalem, okay? So Bethlehem and the area around Bethlehem is very rocky, very hilly, and there are a lot of caves and very few trees. All right. So if you were going to construct a stable, uh, and there were no trees around, what are you going to do? Cave. Say it again. Use the cave. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, it was very popular around Bethlehem for you to keep your animals in one of these caves. Okay. So what they did is Mary and Joseph found one of these caves. It wasn't a wooden structure. It was a cave that Jesus was born in. Okay. Now, uh, look at verse seven and it says, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now the manger, and of course I know traditionally we see the manger made out of wood. Well, mangers in that day, which manger, let me just very plainly is a feeding trough. Okay. So if you were a shepherd or you were a farmer that had animals and you were storing them in a cave, it was very likely that what you would do is find a stone, a large stone in that cave, and you would carve it out 
and that would become the feeding trough for your animals. All right, again, because there's no wood available. There's no, you know, they couldn't just go cut down trees and all that kind of stuff. They just are not available. All right, now here's what's interesting. Let me give you a little history. A, a hundred years after Jesus was born, people were still talking about in Bethlehem the cave where Jesus was born and the manger in which he was laid. And up to 250 years after Jesus was born and lived, people were traveling to Bethlehem to go and see this cave where Jesus was born. Now in, or excuse me, in Bethlehem, even to this day, is a church that's built on top of the cave where Jesus was born. And let me tell you how that came about. The Emperor Constantine, who ended up after, and this was later on after Jesus was uh, dead, buried, and raised from the dead, and the church was in existence, Emperor Constantine made Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire. And uh, so pilgrimages, people going to the Holy Land was very common. His mother, whose name was Helena, was so intrigued by all of this that she traveled to Bethlehem and she is the one with resources provided by Emperor Constantine constructed the, the church that is not the one that's there today, but uh, is, was the first one to construct a church on that site. Now, if you go to that church today, you walk in, you go down a circular staircase into the ground, and there is a place, a cave, and it's marked that that's where Jesus was actually born. Okay? Now, I want to ask you a question. Where was Jesus put when he died? In a cave. Yes. Tombs in that day were caves. Cave, yeah. And the Bible says that when Jesus' body was laid in the tomb, it was laid on a slab, a stone. Okay? Think about this with me. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus was born, he was laid in a stone manger, and when he was dead and buried, he was put back in a cave and laid on a slab of stone. All right, now let me, uh, let me show this to you. What does it say that Jesus was, uh, look at verse 7, it says she brought forth her firstborn son and did what? What did Mary do? Wrapped him, wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Okay, so you 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 all that have been mothers, you know what what wrapping your child in swaddling clothes is all about. It's so that they you know they're wrapped totally in cloth. Okay, and and you know they're they're secure and they're comfortable, they're warm and all of that. Well, the interesting thing is that Mary chose to wrap Jesus up in swaddling cloths. Now, what this means is. Swaddling cloths, if you look at the original language, it actually means strips of cloth. Okay, now let me tell you why that's significant. And this will come up again when we're talking about the shepherds. When a lamb was born in that day, the shepherds would take their 
little legs and to keep them secure and comfortable and so that they didn't spring up and break their legs, they would wrap the legs of that little lamb in swaddling cloths or in strips of cloths to keep the lamb's legs secure. Okay, so this was a tradition that not only people did, but the shepherds did. And mm -hmm. notice again, what is Jesus called? He's the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Now, here's what's interesting. That's what happened when he was born. If you study what happened when Jesus was buried, the Bible says that the women went in to wrap his body in strips of cloth with spices to prepare him for burial. So what Jesus was born into is the same thing that he died and experienced. And I just love the connection with that. I love the fact that God had enough foresight, of course, being God, but he, he foresaw what was going to happen with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and illustrated all of that when Jesus was actually born into this world. In other words, God began casting a picture, if you will, of what was going to happen 33 years after this time when Jesus was born. Okay? So, um, now, another reason that Jesus was not born in the end was there were a group of people, there or there was a group of people, rather, that God wanted to discover Jesus. Who was that? The Magda. No, they come the later. Shepherd. The shepherds. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. Is a shepherd going to be more familiar with a place where animals are kept or with a hotel? Animals. Where the animals are kept. In other words, let me say it to you this way. All the shepherds that, that shepherded flocks around Bethlehem knew where all the stables were or the caves were. All right. Mm. Now, let me ask you a question. What were the instructions? Um, let, let's jump down and uh, look at verse 10. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, talking to the shepherds, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths or strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, who would have known where all the mangers were? Shepherds. The shepherds. Okay. So here you have the angels or the angels saying to the shepherds, hey, this is going to be your clue. This is how you're going to find him. Go look in all the stables and the mangers, and you're going to find a babe. And when you find him, he's going to be wrapped in strips of cloth, just like you're familiar with doing to newborn lambs that are born in your flock. All right. So again, God in his wisdom had the angel declare to the shepherds exactly what they needed to know to go and find the Lord Jesus. Now, just to jump ahead a little bit, 
the shepherds were actually the first evangelists. Okay, how do I know that? Well, if you look, uh, look at what it says in verse 17, after they made haste and went and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. Well, what were they told? Well, glory to God, peace on earth, goodwill towards man, and this uh, uh, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, those three words are hugely important. We're not going to talk about them tonight, but what the angel just told them was exactly what Jesus was destined to accomplish. Okay, and so here you have these shepherds who they've just seen a baby, and so they went around talking about, hey, there's one born in Bethlehem who is a Savior, and he is Christ the Lord. So they were proclaiming exactly what Jesus uh, told them or what Jesus exactly was going to be. Now, you know, in our pictures of the nativity scene, we often see angels hovering around, uh, you know, the nativity scene. Well, were angels actually present at the nativity scene? Well, of course they were because uh, this is, you know, the angels were everywhere making sure that God's plan was coming to pass. But were they in manifestation to Mary and Joseph so Mary and Joseph could see them? Okay. Well, the answer to that question is no. They only appeared in manifestation to the shepherds. They did not appear in manifestation to Mary and Joseph at the, at the manger or at the stable. Okay. All right. Now, why did the angels appear to the shepherds? And then they came, the shepherds came to visit Jesus, baby Jesus in the manger. All right. And why did the Magi come later and visit after he was older. All right. Let me ask you a question. What do shepherds, and I've already told you, but what do shepherds raise? Sheep. What are they when they're babies? Lamb. 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 Magi come to worship a king. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the shepherds came because Jesus was a lamb the Magi showed up later because Jesus was on his way to becoming a king. All right. Now, let's, let's ask, answer this question, and you probably already know the answer to this one. Was Jesus born on December 25th? No. No. He was not. Okay. Now, let me say this. There's nothing wrong with celebrating his birth on December 25th, and it got moved around because of the, the Roman calendar and all that kind of thing. But let me just tell you why that is not uh, accurate in the sense of why it happened. If you look at a globe right now, a modern globe, and you look at where we are in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you take your finger and you go all the way around that globe on the same parallel that we're on right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, you will end up in Northern Israel, okay? If any of us that have lived here, okay, what is the weather like from December 1st to March 1st? Oh. Cold, right? 
Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. All right. Look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living where? Under the open sky. Out in the fields. Okay. Doesn't say they were just out there tending the sheep. It says they were living out in the fields. Okay, well, if you're a good shepherd, you know what you're not going to do? Is first of all, you're not going to expose your sheep to frigid winter weather. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but it snows in Israel. Okay, they get snow. All right. And uh, if you go to northern Israel where Mount Hermon is, uh, they get a lot of snow. Mount Hermon, it, you know, it's not as big of a mountain range, of course, as anything. But it, it, there, the Mount Hermon is actually bigger than the mountains that we have here in North Carolina. Okay, so the weather could be during the winter time very, very cold and very frigid. So if you're a good shepherd, you're not going to have your flock out there suffering and experiencing weather like that. You're going to have them huddled up where? In one of those caves I'm talking about. All right. Well, also, you're, you as a shepherd aren't going to want to live and sleep out in that type of weather, are you? No, you're not. Okay. All right. So the, the, the average temperature in Israel and Bethlehem at this particular time in wintertime is anywhere from 33 to 55 degrees, much like what we have here. Okay. So again, uh, it says that the shepherds were out living in their fields. Well, they wouldn't have been out living in their fields unless it was springtime or summertime. Okay. Now, why is this important? Well, if you actually study this out, Jesus was actually born leading up to the Passover. Now, and, and you have to understand a little bit about Jewish tradition in order to, to gather that, and that is this. When lambs were born and they were chosen to be used for the Passover sacrifice, what would happen is that that young lamb would be brought to Jerusalem and uh, the priesthood of that day would examine it for one week prior to the Passover to make sure there were no defects in that lamb, that it was pure, and so forth and so on. Well, of course, they wouldn't bring a newborn lamb at that point, but they would still bring a young infant lamb in order to be the Passover sacrifice. Well, we already know because of climate that it was impossible that Jesus was born in December. So when would he have been born? Well, if he was the lamb that was to be slain for the, the sins of the world, then it would make sense that he would be born just a short period of time before the Passover. Now, does anybody know when the Passover is? April. April, the middle of April, okay? So let's say, you know, you've got a lamb that's a month old that's going to be the Passover sacrifice, okay? That lamb would be born sometime between March 15th and April 15th, okay? 
So that's how we're able to gather that and to, to make that connection. All right. Now, let's talk about the wise men for a moment. Y'all still, y'all still okay? Yes. Okay. I yeah. haven't destroyed your Christmas for you, have I? No. no. All right. All right. Look at, uh, look at Luke chapter two and verse 12. All right. And what I want you to do is I want you to look there and it says, um, the angel saying to the shepherds, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. Underline that word babe, please. Okay. All right. That is the Greek word brephos, and I'll spell it for you. B-R-E-P-H-O-S. B-R-E-P-H-O-S. And what this describes is either an, an unborn child that is in the womb up until they are a newborn. Okay. So that's the Greek word for a newborn child. Now go with me. Well, we, we, uh, well, i tell you what, go with me over to Matthew again. And let's look at where the Magi showed up. Luke chapter two. Let's look at verse one. Um, I'm going to skip a little bit about Herod there. Um, let's look at verse nine. It says, and when they heard the king, Herod, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. All right. Now in the Greek language, that's a different word. It's the Greek word piadon. And let me spell it for you. It's P-A-I-D-I-O-N. Piadion, okay? And this in the Greek language means a little child, not a newborn. We would call them a toddler or approximately two years old around that age, okay? So it says, again, that um, they followed the star till it came and stood over where the young child was the toddler. Okay. So Jesus is two years old approximately by this time. And it says, and when they, they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, we've talked about that earlier. They saw the young child Piadion with Mary, his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense and myrrh. And then of course, you know, the story, they had a dream and, uh, they didn't go report back to, uh, Herod. Okay. And then it says in verse 13, and when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, arise, take the young child, same word and his mother flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you a word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Now, if you read on, and this is where, uh, this is called the slaughter of the innocents, where Herod ordered in Bethlehem for all children, two years 
old and younger to be slain or and they went they went and killed all of the children two years old and younger but my point is this why did he know to choose that age it was because that's what the the magi were looking for they weren't looking for a newborn baby they were looking for a a toddler that was approximately two years old okay now what's interesting is um wise men or magi traveled in large caravans between 50 to 75 people so there was more than just the three of them this was a large group of people and so notice what they brought to him what were the treasures that they brought to the lord jesus gold frankincense and myrrh gold frankincense and myrrh now is it is that just coincidence or accidental that they brought those three gifts no it's not let me explain to you why gold is what you presented to the treasury of royalty okay gold because that was the treasure of royalty anybody ever smelled frankincense before I have it's it smells awesome okay now frankincense was presented because Jesus was going to be a sweet-smelling savor in God's nostrils to hide the stench of our sin mm. let me say that again they presented frankincense because Jesus was going to be the sweet-smelling savor, the, the fragrance, if you will, in God's nostrils to hide the stench of our sin. Mm. Now get this, myrrh. Why, why myrrh? Okay, this was another spice. But what's interesting about this spice is this spice predominantly was only used to prepare people for burial. So isn't it interesting that these magi brought Jesus a gift of a spice that was normally used to prepare people to be buried? Okay? Why? What were they what what was the purpose of that? Because God knew he was going to have to die for us. Now let me let me as as I wrap this up for tonight and we'll pick up here and we'll talk more about this next week. Why did God lead these magi to bring these gifts at this particular moment? Why didn't they show up at the birth? Why didn't they show up two years earlier when Jesus was born? Anybody want to take a guess? Wasn't time. Okay, well... Yeah, I mean it was a it was an appointed time, okay? But there was a very very good reason for it. All right? Look look with me at verse 13 again. Now when they had departed, behold an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, "Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him." 
When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and they departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Let me ask you a question. Do you think they traveled to all the way down to Egypt for free? No. no. They would have had to have had some place to stay in Egypt. So isn't it interesting that God led these three men and their whole entourage to show up the very day before God instructs Joseph to take his the, the child and the mother and flee to Egypt, and God shows up with these gifts to cover all of the expenses that were going to be required for that journey and for their stay in Egypt. Mm -hmm. What does that tell me? What that tells me is that God has already gone into your future and ordered stuff and ordained stuff to take care of you when he instructs you to do something or go somewhere. Now, not just your whim, not just your desire, not just a vacation, but I'm just saying that God orchestrated all of this so that they would be provided for and taken care of in a strange land, okay, where Jews weren't necessarily welcome, all right, but they were tolerated, and so he paid for their journey, paid for all of their expenses, and paid for them to be able to come back. And, and then, of course, we know that after they came back from Egypt, they settled in Nazareth for good, okay? Now, I'm going to end with that, but what I want you to see is that, that I, I tell you, I, I'm, as I study this, I am amazed and overwhelmed at the wisdom of God, at what God, all of these parts and pieces that were involved in all of this, and God orchestrated it all and brought it all to pass at the right moment, at the right time for his plan to come to pass. Now, here's what I want to say to you. God will do the same thing for you and me. Mm -hmm. He will bring all of the parts and pieces necessary for his plan and his purpose to come to pass in our lives if we will only believe him and trust him, which mm -hmm. is what Mary and Joseph had to do. I mean, they had to put their trust in what God was telling them and what God had instructed them to do. And so uh, next week, we're going to get into, you ever ask yourself the question, why did God choose Mary? Of, I mean, surely she wasn't the only virgin teenage girl in, in Israel at the time. So why did God choose her? And why did God choose Joseph? You know, maybe you don't wonder about that kind of stuff. I do. I want to know why. Because I know, here's the thing, and it's like I tell y'all all the time. God doesn't do accidental. He doesn't do random. Everything has a divine purpose behind it. So he did not send Gabriel to have a conversation with this young lady, just eeny, meeny, miny, mo. here, I chose you, so I'm going to talk to you. No, there was a reason why she was chosen, 
And there is a reason why Joseph was chosen. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. All right? Did y'all get anything out of this tonight? Yes. Okay. Like I said, don't go throw your Christmas stuff away. Just understand <laughs> you know, there's a bigger picture to all of this. All right? All right. Praise the Lord. Did it help you? Yeah. Okay. All right. I want to make sure it's a blessing to you. So, and again, if you, uh, you know, you want more, and I'm just barely scratching the surface, but this is what uh, Rick Renner's material looks like. So if you want to check it out, you can go to renner.org and uh, check it out. You can also, um, I believe for free, uh, they have the videos of where he taught this and, uh, you know, where you could go and you can watch them on their website and stream them. And, and they're very, very good. All right. Praise the Lord. So Praise the Lord. I, I promise you after we get through with these couple of weeks, you won't ever look at Christmas the same. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.